This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 37. Submission 388. Video games based on TV shows. So, guys, I know, like me, you guys enjoy your video games. Yes. Oh, I I, I know Chico's a big gamer. He loves his Nintendo games. And I know Greg enjoys his video games, as do I. And I'm sure over the courses of our lifetimes, we've all encountered a very bad TV video game or two. Or in this case, in this episode, more than two. As far as I can tell, the first TV show that became a video game was in 1983. The TV show MASH, which actually would have probably shown its final episode by this time. They had an Atari 2600 game, which I'm not going to cover today because it's sort of a fun game. But we have many worse video games. And I'm going to defer to Chico to start off this episode okay. what video game would you like to talk about first i'm going to talk about one of the uh, earliest video games i played in the 90s on both the nes and the super nes uh, in 1991 we had the nes version of american gladiators which if you remember in 1991 the american gladiators were just starting to become this big thing on the weekends it's they're just you know people are just watching. Everybody is wearing spandex and throwing and and throwing balls and whacking each other with overgrown Q-tips, but it looks really cool. So I'm gonna watch. So Game Tech, as they usually do with uh, game shows like this, they made a video game of it. But here's the thing. Their first, their first shot at a video game of it was absolutely. I, 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 I didn't know what to make of it. Um, for example, it had six of the events. The, the first five were Powerball, Joust, Human Cannonball, The Wall, and Assault. It played like combat, and then Powerball looked at least a little bit like the uh, the show. It was show faithful, at least the second half of the first season. Human Cannonball had a stationary swing where you, where you had to not swing at one gladiator but a success a successive line of gladiators. The wall had like one of those never ending walls Instead of just the wall from the TV show, it, it just looked like a series of handholds and whatever and what have you. And the gladiators weren't just coming from below you. They were coming from beside you and above you. But the perhaps the most accidentally funny thing of this game was the joust. And if you've, if you've played it, you know what I'm about to talk about. Uh, there are, there's a bunch of pillars. There's not one pillar. 
there's a line of successive pillars, and on each one, you have to knock off a gladiator. And when you do knock off a gladiator, they let out this incredibly loud, incredibly funny, incredibly off-sounding, digitized scream. Like, ah! and And it was just, it was just weird. But yeah, it, it didn't, and after those five events, you think you were done and you were off to the Eliminator, right? No, sir. You have to do those again and again and again and again until uh, at least four or five times in succession. Then you get to the Eliminator, which didn't look so much like the Eliminator course on the screen, on the, on the uh, TV show. It just looked like something out of Mega Man. Yeah, a bunch of pillars... A uh, bunch of balls you're trying to dodge, uh, slides for life, a bunch of travelators, and a bunch of, uh, what are those things? Hand bikes. It, 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 it would, it would have, it would pass for a passable sort of shovelware action game, generic action game for the Nintendo, and nobody would be the wiser, but they decided to put the American Gladiator's name on it. Ultimately, they would get it right with another set of developers for the Super Nintendo Genesis and Amiga versions, with more show faithful, with more show faithful uh, presentation. But there was one problem: the controls. Oh yeah, the controls... bad on bad on the SNES version. Yeah, they were incredibly bad on the uh, SNES version. You, you you would think that it would be easy, just you know, put you know put some controls on your D pad. No, you have to hit the L and R triggers over and over again. And I'm like, why am I doing this? The one takeaway I have uh, from the American Gladiators game for the SNES version, doing the wall was immensely difficult because now the wall wasn't just a straight shot up. You had to zigzag, uh, you had to like, uh, go to the left, and you had to have your arm holes in exactly the right place, or your, your, your finger holes. You had to have your fingers holding exactly the right spot. If you're even like one little bit off, you'll fall off the wall. It was a horrible, horrible, oh, absolutely horrible uh, rendition of the wall. And as far as I know, that wasn't the version that had gladiators coming in from all directions trying to get you even from above it was basically like the tv show but the thing is if you made one little mistake if you're off by a centimeter game's over yep the music was pretty impressive though but yeah i mean give give them give them props for trying to uh capture the feel of the actual show for the uh, 1993 Super Nintendo Sega Genesis and Amiga releases, but still needed... They, they were still rushing to release this while the iron was hot, let's just say. The only playable level was Powerball. And I, ag- I agree with that. I agree with that. And Atmosphere. Don't forget Atmosphere. Atmosphere was great. That was American Gladiators... 
I have a bigger disappointment than American Gladiators. And this one, back in the day, we're talking similar time era, maybe a little bit earlier. This was a huge disappointment for me as a kid. I'm talking specifically about Funhouse, both for the PC and also for the NES. Yeah, I remember I remember the Funhouse NES game. That's basically the people at High Tech Expressions freely admitting we didn't see one minute of this TV show. Well, beyond that even, uh, you had stunts to start off with, but the problem is the stunts were absolutely impossible to do. And for a number of stunts, I remember you had to like get your coordinates uh, timed exactly right like you had like an x coordinate and a y coordinate if you wanted to throw something or if you had uh if you're throwing something you had to determine like not just how fast you want to throw it but also like the launch angle and it was just incredibly difficult and that's just the main game going to the fun house this this still makes me mad 30-some years later. You see the Funhouse on TV show. Oh, good. We're going to run through the Funhouse. We're going to go through the uh, through the pressure cooker, and we're going to go up the mountain, and we're going to do all this stuff. Oh, absolutely not. You. It was almost like roller skating, and you had to get, I'm going to say icons or coins. and Actually, it depended on the version of the video game. For the PC version, you had to get all the items in the funhouse or, or each room. I believe you had to get all of a certain type of item. Uh, so that means you know you don't want to you know grab any of the the bad items. You only want to get the ones that you need. So you'd have to go around them, and it was a giant maze. And that was really no fun. But it didn't compare to the NES version. The NES version was actually like, I'd almost say somebody roller skating or inline skating through, I don't even know how to describe it, through a, like an industrial zone almost, trying to get these numbered coins, and you had to get them in order, and the controls were so absolutely horrific, the game was almost impossible to beat. And it's somewhere on YouTube but somebody did beat that game. I mean, there were a certain number of levels. It may have been dozens. And by dozens, I mean, it may have been 50 levels. It might have been 60 levels. But somebody actually went through and beat all the levels and actually defeated the game. And it's just, it's just oh, such a disappointment because you're expecting something authentic from the TV show, especially since I would have been like 13 or 14 when this was released. And then you sort of got the bait and switch. Oh, well here, you're going to have to inline roller skate through this industrial zone, picking up these coins in the proper order, picking up coin one, then coin two, then coin three. And you need to do it in a certain amount of time. Plus also the controls for skating are absolutely horrible. They're very slippery. Such a disappointment. I mean, at least Double Dare, which is not going to be on today's show, at least Double Dare for the NES, 
and for the PC. At least they got it right in terms of having a true obstacle course, even if that is near impossible to defeat. Yeah, you need to have like an NES Turbo controller to at least beat that. Yeah, but, but that might be a future episode. Greg, there's something you want to talk about. Okay, well, the first game I'm going to discuss is WWF Betrayal for the Game Boy Color from 2001 by THQ. Now, guys, you would think, okay, this is going to be a WWF game. This is going to be about wrestling, right? Right. Right. Well, guess what, guys? This game isn't about wrestling. It's not about wrestling. But but it's no, got it's... the WWF moniker. It's, it's okay. got... But, but, but there's, there's wrestlers and everything. Why is it about wrestling? Okay, let me explain. So the plot of this game is it's like River City Ransom, but with WWF characters. Oh, jeez. Oh, yes. So you have to pick one of four WWF wrestlers. You can either pick Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H, or The Undertaker. So what happens is Stephanie McMahon is kidnapped. And Vince McMahon's like, hey, pal, I need you to go and find Stephanie McMahon. And if you can find Stephanie McMahon, I'll give you a WWF title shot. So you have to go into these bunch of stages where you have to fight various wrestlers. You have to fight backstage or in a parking garage or in the subway. And then finally, it concludes at Titan Towers, the WWF headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut. So I will, I will reenact... I'm going to reenact the four different versions of this ending, okay? So, so okay, guys, spoilers, plot line. It turns out that it was all a trick by Vince McMahon. He, he fooled them. Stephanie McMahon was never kidnapped. It turns out it was all a ruse by Vince McMahon. So here's the first version with Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? I knew I couldn't trust you. Stephanie was never kidnapped. You let Triple H steal my title, and then you sent me on a wild goose chase. Don't trust anyone. Isn't that your motto, Austin? Triple H, you and Stephanie, get to the roof. Triple H gets to the roof of Stephanie. Mr. McGann, I'll handle this. Austin, I'm gonna I'm gonna run you down. And then oh god. And then you go on the rooftop. And then Triple H is like, so, Austin, you made it through The Undertaker. I bet you the heavyweight title that you can't make it through me, Austin. I'll read it. just read a little bit of Austin 316 after that. Now I'm the heavyweight champion, and that's the bottom line because Stone Cold says so. So, yeah, you win the WF title. Now here's the version with The Rock. What's this? The Rock smells a rat. Why would you, Vince McMahon, kidnap your own daughter, Mr. McMahon? Listen, people's chump, and listen good. We've all had enough of you and your eyebrow. Stephanie was never kidnapped. We just wanted to distract you long enough to get away. Triple H, you and Stephanie, get on the roof. I'll take care of the rock. Rock. You'll take care of the rock? How are you going to do that? And then Rock beats Mr. McMahon. And then Triple H is like, so, Rock, you just made it through the Undertaker. I'll bet you that... Oh, the same crap he says before. And then the rock says... Once again, The Rock is the people's champ and the heavyweight champ. And then we go with The Undertaker is... Hmm, a setup. I should have known. Stephanie was never kidnapped. You kept me running around while you and Triple H ran off of the hell. So Deadman Inc. has figured things out. Triple H, you and Stephanie get to the roof. 
I'll handle this. You win what or me. And then The Undertaker beats Triple H on the roof. And he's like, when you step in The Undertaker's yard, you better be ready to lose. Now for the Triple H version, how could it be? How could Triple H have been the one to kidnap Stephanie, you think? Well, it turns out that Stone Cold Steve Austin was in on the ruse with Vince McMahon. Because this was in the period where, if you remember, probably Chico, when Stone Cold Steve Austin in 2001 was a heel. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it. So Triple H's like, Vince, what's going on? What are you doing here, Mr. Van? What's it look like, Triple H? You and Stephanie have been walking around here like acting like... Like, you own the place. Well, I own the place. I think Austin is a much better champ than you. Stone Cold gets Stephanie up to the roof. Come on, Triple H. Let's see you how you handle dear old dad. Triple H, I'm going to break you in two. And then after Triple H beats Steve Austin on the roof, he's like, if you play the game, you'll lose. Come on, Stephanie. Let's get out of here. That's how this nightmare for Triple H ends. He's like, if you play the game, you'll lose. Now, Stephanie, let's get out of here. Now, that's the end of the game. Oh boy, uh, yeah, that's that is that is about as rip as rippy as you can. You might as well have named your kids Ryan and Alex or something, because yeah, that was a that that was like a direct clone of River City Ransom, right down to the kidnapping your woman sort of angle. I'm sort of wondering where Alan Thick came into play there. <laughs> Guys, blame Kevin Mann for that version of Triple H. I'm All still right. blaming. I'm still blaming Alan Thick. Hey guys, did you see me at Match Game Hollywood Squares this week? Get lost. Did you see my ex-wife Glory Luring had the thirty? Next up. While we're on that era of gaming, let's go to about, let's say it was about 2003, where we have American Idol in the midst of perhaps its greatest season ever. And this, I'm, I'm talking about, of course, season two. This is important because later that summer would be American Idol, the video game, where you work your ranks up. Where you work your way up the ranks to become the next great singing superstar. There's just one problem. Oh? Yes. There's no singing to be had. That sort what? of defeats the purpose. How can yeah. you have an American Idol game with no singing, Chico? That makes no sense. That's Codemasters. They're the ones who developed and released this thing. Actually, that's a lie. Uh, Codemasters published it, but it was developed by Hothouse Creations for uh, PS2, Windows, and... Uh, yeah, PS2 and Windows, and Mobius Entertainment for the Game Boy Advance. There, yes, this was not a singing simulator. This was a rhythm game along the lines of DDR, Parappa the Rapper, or Rhythm Heaven, or Space Channel 5. How do you have an American Idol game without singing, Chico? Uh, I don't know. Ask Hothouse Creations. They're the ones who did it for PS2 and Windows, and Game Boy Advance was done by Mobius Entertainment. <laughs> 
But yeah, this was released as American Idol in the U.S. and in other property and other countries, it was released as Pop Idol. And yes, it did feature the likenesses and the voices of Simon Cowell and Randy Jackson. Not exactly sure about Paula Abdul. I mean, she was in the credits. You're working your way up the ranks from auditions to the Hollywood round to the semis to the live shows. And each and each stage gets harder and harder and harder and harder. And you basically have to do well enough to survive and get, quote, enough of the vote to stay until you get to the final round. Which, by the way, all of this is does not feature Ryan Seacrest's at all. Not even Brian Dunkelman at all. Oh. Poor Brian Dunkelman. Yeah, yeah. He's he's probably busy doing future installment three South at the time. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So you're basically hitting a bunch of buttons at a time, and you have to hope you have enough of the uh, public vote in order to win the game. Eventually, Konami, in their infinite wisdom would be like, give me that license, you sons of And would release karaoke, the Karaoke Revolution series. And one of the games that they would release would be Karaoke Revolution Presents American Idol. That does involve singing, and it is very good. But, yeah, but this, but this Codemasters game... Uh, the folks at X-Play gave this a 1 out of 5 for a reason. If I wanted to play a game like that, I'm sorry. I'd rather play Parappa the Rapper. A great game. Oh, I love that game. Or I'd rather play Rhythm Heaven, another great game for the DS. I'm sorry, but when Chico mentioned X-Play and then Mike said, if I want to play, I thought he was going to say something about Morgan Webb. No. no, 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 no. Good. And in fact, EG, let me let me just run through these scores. EGM gave it a one and a half out of ten. IGN gave it a four out of ten. Xplay gave it a one out of five. Metacritic ad- aggregated a forty-one out of a hundred. And the only reason why it was that high to begin with, because Game Informer, those those little subguns, gave it a six and a quarter out of ten. And anybody who knows anything about video games knows that Game Informer doesn't give any game less than a six. Cause they wanna sell copies. Anyway. Anyway, we're going to move on to another disappointing game from my childhood. Boy, my childhood is full of disappointment, wasn't it? I'm not going there. I'm glad you're not. I'll take the fall by myself. I'm going to talk about Elf the First Adventure. What this was... Now, there are a number of Elf video games. I definitely want to differentiate this from the other video games There was a Sega Master System ALF video game, 
which is bad by on its own merits, but we're not going to talk about that today. There are also a couple of ELF educational video games. There's one on thinking skills and one on math, but we're not going to talk about those either. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about ELF the First Adventure, which is essentially like a platformer type of game. It's just uh, very, um, it's very crappy. <laughs> the, the premise of the ALF the First Adventure video game is you had to get parts to the spaceship, the ALF spaceship, which were scattered throughout the city, and you had to get collect four cats that were on the loose throughout the city. But it is a little deeper than that because you not only had to avoid Willie Tanner, who was the, the patriarch of the Tanner family on ALF, but you also had to avoid the dog catcher. Now, if you uh, ran into Willie, he will take everything that you've worked hard for in that level and he'd redistribute it throughout the, uh, the, the city. The who does dog he think he... <laughs> I was going to say, who does he think he is? Bertie Sanders? Oh, jeez. Uh, Let's boy. not make this too political. Yeah. But then the dog catcher, he would essentially take a life. Now, I use the word take a life very loosely. If you got caught by the dog catcher three times, your game would be done. So not really a life, more like an opportunity. Because what the game said was that if the dog catcher caught you, Willie would only bail you out the first two times. The third time, the game's over. So now it doesn't sound too bad. Okay, collect cats, the four cats, and collect the two parts of the spaceship. That doesn't sound too bad. What's the catch, Mike? What's the catch, Mike? Well, also, in addition to the two spaceship parts and the four cats, you had to collect a key in order to get to the next level of play. But what the catch is... You had to do this all within 24 hours, not necessarily in real time. The, the seconds were a little faster than a normal second. But also, in order to get the cats, you had to also eat a, a, a pizza. The pizza allowed you to catch the cats. But each pizza would only give you about seven seconds to catch the cats. And... The city itself, it was four separate screens. It was like a giant maze, but there were, and there were a number of dead ends. And so you had to sort of blindly travel from one section of the city to the other, or through the maze, if you will, to the other. You don't know what might be on the other end. You might have Willie or the dog catcher there. And obviously, yeah, you'd lose an opportunity if the dog catcher catches you. But if Willie catches you, you lose all your stuff. But also, um, another frustrating thing about this, uh, besides the whole eight seconds or so or seven seconds to get the cats, the cats, everything but Alf moved at a very frantic pace. They didn't go at like one space per second. No, no, no. They were like very jittery back and forth, very fast moving. And you really had like very little time to react to get a cat or to avoid Willie or the 
or, or the dog catcher. And just from experience, I don't think I ever got past the first level of this game. I, I think there were only maybe one or two times I got all four cats without uh, Willie finding me or getting caught by the, uh, the dog catcher. It was just extremely frustrating. The game, if you played it for more than about five minutes, you were lucky. If you got past the first level, you're beyond lucky. Kind of funny since the the name of the cat on Alf was Lucky. Lucky. Tee hee hee. It's just very frustrating. And I mean, this, I don't know if this is meant for maybe older people. Uh, I mean, I was like 13 at the time this came out, or 12. And. I, I just wonder, if, it, it, it's just, could this game have been better if if maybe it was slowed down a little bit so everything wasn't so frantic and, and, and like I said, the maze. Oh, and one thing about the, this maze, this town, it doesn't tell you where you can go to the next part of the town. So you might have like a, a street that you're on you try going to the next uh, part of town to the next screen and you can't go there because it's a dead end. It's just, it, it was horrible. And the thing is, I love Alf. It's one of my favorite TV shows from the late eighties, but this game, big thumbs down. <laughs> it, it's, it's an absolute shame. It, it's, uh, th- there was potential there, but the time just goes so fast and I mean, everything is like fast, like almost like the, the computer processor was being timed uh, too fast. If it was going at a slower pace, might've been more fun game, but no alphas. There's a reason why alphas on our list or at least on my list. Greg probably has a game that is just as bad or maybe even worse. Right, Greg? Yes, you talk about mazes. Well, this game has plenty of mazes for you. It's Superman on Nintendo 64, as it's more commonly known, Superman 64. You know what I'm talking about, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. I've heard of it. Yes. So this is based on the Superman animated series on Kids WB. So, okay. So Lex Luthor has kidnapped Superman's friends into a virtual world. Now, what what do you expect a Superman game would contain? Maybe flying, maybe X-ray vision. Flying, yes. Uh, would you care to guess what he flies around for most of the game? No idea. He I flies around. He flies around. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, I can't even imagine. He flies around a set of rings, which are a series of mazes that Lex Luthor has left for him. And you have to run around the rings in a certain time limit, or else you're kind of screwed, and it's game over. And this is the problem. The flying in this game is so bad, you cannot navigate around the rings. And by the way, after the rings... You have to grab two cars that have bombs in a certain set of time limit, and you have to throw them away from the people in the city 
but the controls and the flying after that are so bad. By the way, did I mention that this is only supposed to be like the first like part of many in the game? This most of the game is just Superman flying through rings, and then you do a bunch of uh, side stuff in between, and it has controls that are so broken and so bad, and the level design is so terrible that sometimes it even breaks the game. And this is in the late 90s. You said N64. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. And I'm not going to go in depth because the Angry Video Game Nerd did two reviews about the Superman 64 game, but it is regarded as one of the worst video games of all time. It is just absolutely so bad. And for it to be attached to such a great series like the Superman animated cartoon from the 90s. I mean, it must be really bad when Angry Video Game Nerd does two videos on it. That's bad. Oh, yeah. That's really, really bad. It is, yeah. But it's, but I bet you it isn't as bad as a really generic Grand Theft Auto clone. Okay, I'm listening. You had me at Grand Theft Auto. It's a you had oh I I had you at Grand Theft Auto. So you would you would say you are a big fan of the Grand Theft Auto. So, I've loved I've loved the Grand Theft Auto series since the original version came out in the late nineties. Yes. Well, how about Pimp My Ride, the video game? Okay. What? How does Pimp My Ride? What does that have to do with Grand Theft Auto? Okay, I'm listening. Okay, so it was released on the Wii, the Xbox 360, the PSP, and the PS2. You are a customizer, and you have to go around customizing or pimping other people's rides with the help of, of course, because this is Pimp My Ride, you have to go around with the help of Mr. X to the Z himself, Exhibit. So all you have to do is collect your ride, go collect some auto parts, customize your ride, and then deliver it to your customer. But it all has to be done within a time limit. And this is where the whole Grand Theft Auto thing comes in. Because it is very much a free city. It's it's completely... You, you can drive anywhere and everywhere. In fact, uh, I, I played this. I made the mistake of playing this. And I got Shades of Crazy Taxi from it, which is an infinitely better game than this, by the way. Crazy Taxi. And, uh, gosh, what can I say except, oh, God, you could, I could tell that Exhibit was getting paid adequately for this. Yeah, between this and that one NFL street game he was in around this time. Yeah, oh. It, it it's just like in a in a, oh in an age of Grand Theft Auto clones, this is just in a class by itself. What can I say? See, I'm now that I'm thinking about it. I love Grand Theft Auto. Uh huh. I love Crazy Taxi. But my gosh, this just 
was Pin My Ride even popular enough to merit a video game? Oh, it was. It was a big show back in the day. Now, I know it was a big show, but it's just when I think of MTV properties from 15 years ago, Pin My Ride, maybe Pin My Ride would be the best for a video game, but I also think of Cribs. I think of Jersey Shore. I I couldn't even imagine a Jersey Shore video game. So you know what? Maybe in in retrospect, maybe it was best they did a Pit My Ride video game. Well, it could have been worse, Mike. We could have gotten a 16 and pregnant video game. Uh Oh, gee whiz, no! Well, okay, I'll just I'll just sum it up here because again, you gotta go around, uh, do mini games, get money, then you can pimp somebody's rides, and you have to do it all in a time limit. Now, well, yeah, it does sound like Crazy Taxi. That's what it really does sound like. It it, it does sound like Crazy Taxi, and, and yeah. the Simpsons clone called Simpsons Road Rage, which also equally good. Yep. Uh, Alex Navarro of Gamespot pretty much sums up my thoughts. It has a nauseatingly choppy frame rate. The game crashes on a semi-regular basis. There is no version of Pimp My Ride worth recommending to anyone, but the PSP version is definitely the one that should be most actively avoided. Now, you would think that, as bad as this game is, that, you know, they'd release it as shovelware, and that would be the end of it, right? You'd hope. Yes. They released the sequel for it in 2009. Oh, jeez. What? There's another one? There's another one. No. It's called Pimp My Ride Street Racing for PS2 and the Nintendo DS. That, I can't believe the PS2 still had new games out in freaking 2009. I did, uh, I, it, it surprised me, too. Surprised me, too. But, yeah. Pimp My Ride. Uh, why? Why, Activision? Why? But I'm sure Mike could do a whole lot worse than that. Well, Chico, you said, can Mike do better? I'm going to try my best. I want to talk about, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Now, the games themselves, the, the quality of the games may not have been the best in terms of graphics. The, the questions were just fine. But I'm going to talk specifically about one version, and this is a not frequently seen version for the 3DS that was released when the revival appeared on Fox around 2015. Okay. This is a game that's really difficult to screw up. I mean, what do you do? You take this test, you have 10 questions. If you get them all right, you go for the million dollar question, right? That seems simple enough. Yeah, can't, you can't really ruin that. Well, guess what? What? <laughs> oh, oh no! What? What is it? What well, happened? Th- there's a couple of things. First, this game was apparently rushed to get on the streets because I think I remember this being uh, in stores not too long after the revival debuted. But first, the music is all generic. You don't have the the kids singing the fifth grader theme like the previous versions of the game did. It was just generic music. Oh, that's the best part, the kids singing. I I agree. The sound effects were generic. The background music was generic. 
the game itself is fine. It, it's the same game that we know and love. You got the copy, you got the peak, you've got the 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 different grade levels, and you got the students to help you out. But where it gets a little wacky is your prize money. You, you actually get prize money you can use within the game. This is sort of like an RPG type of thing. You can reinvest the money you won on the show back into your school by either increasing the levels of certain core subjects, social studies, language arts, science, math. And when you increase those levels, you have smarter students who can help you out on the cheats and, uh, and the copies and all that. But also you can put them in extracurricular activities. I'm not joking about that. So, for example, you can use your money to host a math Olympiad. You can also use your money to uh, start a spelling bee at the school. You could have a debate tournament. There's also science fairs and academic decathlons. And you can use your money to buy these items, at least in theory. And what do I mean by in theory? Well, I actually have my 3DS in front of me, and I have my copy of Are You Smarter with a Fifth Grader in the game. Yes, I was one of those idiots who paid money for this. Not a lot, but I was still paid money for this. And if I want to purchase the Academic Decathlon, it would cost me $27,000, but there's one problem. Your classmates aren't interested in this event right now. Try unlocking some more classmates to try this event with. Huh? Well, another problem is, as far as I know, I've unlocked all the classmates. Uh, I've got all the students up to the highest level, level 25. And there's 30 students on here. And from what I can tell, all 30 are unlocked. I don't see a, a typical lock um, on their faces or anything like that. But also, in addition to this, not just winning money in the video game, they're actually it, it actually accumulates a certain amount of money every second or so when you're not playing the video game. So taking a look at my game right now, the game gives me 131 virtual dollars per about two seconds. I've had this game since 2015, as I mentioned earlier, since it first came out. And, and I don't want to say I can't purchase any thing for my school or any students uh but right now and this is actually the number that's on the screen right now how much i've earned and can't even spend in this game and i do wish that this was real money so i could transfer it to my school in real life because we'd be like eating caviar for the rest of our lives currently in my game i have accumulated four billion <laughs> four billion a hundred seven million $335,000, and it just keeps on adding. And that's $4,107,335,000 I can't spend. So it's sort of like a game show mixed a little with like an RPG kind of, sort of, but, you know, when you can't really add anything to make the game better or or spend the, the, the credits you've accrued, that sort of... Yeah, you know, that sort of defeats the purpose of, of doing this. 
but yeah, this is uh, this is a very poorly made game, uh, very rushed. Uh, it was like I said, there's no music. I don't even think there's much of a Jeff Foxworthy voice outside of him saying like correct or, or right or yes. So they're just trying to get this out and make a fast buck. Well, th- they got a few of my bucks, but this is absolutely abysmal. But a- as bad as this is, Greg, we saved the best for last. Yes, Mike, we ha- saved the best for last. It is Home Improvement for the Super Nintendo, or as this version is called, Home Improvement Power Tool Pursuit. Now, the plot of this game is, on a special broadcast of Tool Time, Tim is prepared to unveil a new Binford Tools Ultra Power Line tool that is named after him. The Binford Taylor Turbo Power Tool Line. So right when Tim is about to unveil the tool, his tool case is empty. So Tim has to go and find the missing tools. So where are the tools, you ask? The tools are scattered around the studio. So how can you make a game out of that? How do you make a game out of that? that. Thank you, guys. Well, here's what happens. The first level is a dinosaur level where a dinosaur shows being shot. So what happens? Tim is fighting pterodactyls who are shooting eggs after him. What? Yes. Pterodactyls. Yes. Shoot and then he's man. fighting. Yes. And then he's fighting like all sorts of various dinosaurs. So he gets that. And then the next part of the game is he has to get the second power tool in the second level. And he's got to fight a mummy's tomb. Okay. Where he's got to fight all sorts of traps like it's the Temple of Doom or something. And then who does he fight in the boss fight in level two? A mummy. Pterodactyls and a mummy. Yes, but here's here's the next part, okay? The next part is he has to go into Dracula's lair. He's got to fight ghosts. Now you're just making this up. No, I'm not kidding. He's got he's fighting ghosts. He's fighting bats. He's fighting spiders. And who does he face at the end of level three? You ask. Probably Ooh. Dracula. <laughs> yes. He fights Dracula at the end of level three. This this game, man. And then the the last level, the final level of the game, he's got to find the Turbo Deforester. So he's got he's fighting in a sci-fi set where he's fighting all sorts of various robots. Tim the Toolman Taylor has to fight. Uh, okay. And, alright, are you ready for the twist when he finds the final tool to complete the set? Are you ready for this? I'm seated, seated, yes. So now he's completed the Turbo Deforester. And then the twist is, it was all a ruse by Tim's kids. What? Yes, they took the they took the tools from Tim. 
And then he's then at the end of the game in the final cutscene, he's like, "Woo, that was a tough one, the Turbo Deforester." And so Tim's son Brad is like, "Gee, great work, Dad. I want to be just like you when I grow up." And then Tim says, "Really, Brad? That's about the nicest thing a dad can hear from his son." And then Brad says, "Yeah, right, Dad. Psych." And then Al says, "Hmm, Brad must get a sense of humor from you, Tim." And Tim's like, wait a minute, look at this note. I don't believe it. Good work, Dad. We knew you could do it. And then Al's like, psych, that was great, boys. Tim, you guys are pretty clever. Must take after your old man. Well, the important thing is that the tools are safe and all return safe and sound. So let's launch the new Binford Taylor Turbo Power Tool line. And Al's like, gosh, I'm sorry, Tim, but we're out of time. I've been trying to help you introduce the new tools during the show, but someone wouldn't let me. And Tim's like, hmm, well, we'll see you all next time on Tool Time. So after all that time, it was all a tease. We didn't get to see how the Turbo Deforester worked. David Crane, how could you? I, I like the use of the word psych. It really sort of puts it in a... Uh, an early to mid '90s time frame, and actually looking at this game, you know what it reminds me of, and maybe I'm not too far off here. It reminds me a little bit of Sonic the Hedgehog, not a good version of Sonic the Hedgehog, mind you, but it reminds me a little of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, every game at that point was trying to be Sonic the Hedgehog. Yep, but we're not even getting to the best part of this game, okay? If you bought this game, all right, if you're if you're like a kid of, let's say, 11, 12 years old, let's say you're a big fan of Home Improvement. It was a big show at the time, one of the biggest shows probably of the 90s. So you buy the game and you want to check out the instruction book of how to play this game. But when you turn into the instruction book, there's a giant sign in the instruction book that says, real men don't need instructions where the instructions should be. That's right, folks. The people at Absolute Entertainment figured the kids of America, they're going to figure this game out on their own. They're going to love this game so much that they're not even going to bother to need instructions to play this game. Hence a call back to our ending of the episode last week when we hinted at this show. Oh, now it makes sense. Now it does, yes. Greg, you actually know what would actually have been a better video game than this? What? Do you remember the opening sequence that Home Improvement used for a number of years, that video game? Yes. I'd play the heck out of that. You know, here's the thing. You have a Home Improvement video game. At some point in the game, you think there would be like some point where you would turn to Wilson for help. Oh, yeah, he'd be your lifeline. That would, oh, now that would have been great. That would be so entertaining, yeah. We created a better video game than what was made in, like, the last 20 seconds. That's brilliant. How is that even possible? How? Yeah, Wilson always helped solve Tim's problems whenever he needed help. Uh, Wilson was probably too busy doing Home Depot ads back in the day. With Homer. Yeah. Well, there's nine examples of bad video games that uh, 
we wanted to talk about. But there's more. We're going to do a second installment of this a little bit later this year. We actually came up with many more video games we can cover. And Greg said, you know what? Why don't we do some now and then do some at a later date? And I said, absolutely. We don't want this going on for three hours. So later on this year, not going to tell you when, we're going to revisit this with more video games that just are absolutely abysmal. Well, that's it for this week. Next week, we actually are starting uh, about a month series, uh, kind of, sort of, a series devoted to short-lived shows that we really enjoy. Uh, the first two shows, oh, these are two of my favorite shows uh, from the 90s. I'm not going to say anything about them. They're going to be great shows. Actually, all of the next uh, like month's worth of shows are going to be just like amazing episodes because, again, we're not covering necessarily bad shows. They're good shows that just didn't get a fair shake for whatever reason, because of ratings, because of when it aired, because what channel it was on. Regardless, it's going to be a very fun month talking about some of these short-lived shows that are really great. Uh, until then, again, we're online at it was the thing on tv.com. Go there, listen to previous episodes, give us feedback, email us, let us know uh, how we're doing, what you'd like changed, if you have any suggestions. We're also on all sorts of social media Twitter and Instagram. We usually throw up some bonus stuff instead of just links to this week's show. So definitely check us out on Twitter, check us out on Instagram, both at it was a thing on TV. Also, don't forget, we're part of the Place to Be Nation network, and they're slowly uh, uploading our back catalog in three-episode installments. Uh, they're probably still about a month, month and a half behind where we're at now. They'll, they'll get caught up eventually. And as always, on the different platforms, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us, please like and subscribe to us. And please rate and review us. Uh, we truly do want to know how you think we're doing on this. Until we get to those great short-lived shows beginning next week, thank you as always for listening. Thank you to Greg and thank you to Chico for your involvement. Uh, I'm like, not a problem. Not a problem. Not a problem. I'm sorry. Did we just wake you up? No. Did okay. Chico take a nap during the show? Yeah, no. Tom Poston. Did you fall asleep, Tom Poston? I did not fall asleep during the show. Huh? What? You mean the show's done? Uh, yeah. Video games on TV. It was a thing on video games. Or something. So, uh, as I said, until next week, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Wow! Real men don't need instructions.